Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. It's Christmas Eve morning, and as a special gift to you, we're going to give you two sermons today instead of just one. Leading us today for our services of Lessons and Carols, you will hear the Rev. Jamie Kendrew from our Wilson Hall service and the Rev. Dr. John Guest from our Sanctuary service. Here are those messages from our services of Lessons and Carols. Thank you for listening. Well, we have seen the star, all right. Our Lord Jesus, He's the star of the show. He's a star here as we worship and as we'll gather again this evening. And it's the star we seek to follow. Let's talk to him just for a moment, if you'll bow your heads with me. O oh Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the centerpiece of the season. But in what humility you came to reach us. Stoop now, Lord Jesus, to come and visit with each one of us. We need you. So as we come to you, Lord Jesus, and you come to us, please, Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. And we pray this for your name's sake. And thank you as well. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to us. Amen. Well, if you've been watching any television at all, one thing you will know is that a movie opens up this weekend about Sir Winston Churchill, The Darkest Hour. Churchill is one of my heroes. As a little boy, I remember Churchill making speeches to inspire our nation during that darkest hour, to lift us up, to give us courage. But there was a moment in that particular piece of history when Chamberlain Neville Chamberlain, the prior Prime Minister of England, had returned to England having visited Adolf Hitler in Germany. And he waved a piece of paper like this, which had Hitler's signature as well as Chamberlain's signature on it. And he declared to Great Britain, peace in our time was not so. And as Hitler made his move across Europe, Neville Chamberlain resigned. And King George VI called on Winston Churchill to head up a coalition government to take on Nazi Germany. So Churchill was summoned to Buckingham Palace and as he drove into, was driven into, the forecourt of Buckingham Palace, in his own memoirs he said this, this was the moment for which all my life had been but a preparation. That moment he was called to take on the leadership of Great Britain and thank you, a couple of years into the war, you came alongside. And had you not, 
It's hard to imagine what Europe and the world would be today. So again, I do say simply, thank you for coming to our aid. I was a little boy growing up in air raid shelters and sleeping there at night during the war. I remember seeing American soldiers on our streets, airmen, sailors. Those were amazing days. But in a sense, the masterful leadership of Winston Churchill, which inspired the world as well as our nation, and to my mind, I think, probably struck terror in the roots of Hitler's heart. The moment of his stepping into leadership was a moment in time that changed the history of the world. The moment, as he described it, for which all his life had been but a preparation. You have heard about an even greater moment. Jesus being born into this world. It was a moment in time and a moment in history. Catch the drama of it. A world in captivity to sin and darkness. The way the prophets put it concerning that world, the people sat in darkness. But when Jesus came, that same prophecy was quoted, the people that sat in darkness have seen a great light. On them has the light shone. And you have heard here this morning a sequence of readings, as Pastor Barry described them, all the way from the Garden of Eden through the prophets to the time of Jesus and the angel visiting Mary and declaring to her that she is going to give birth to a son. All of that, that history, the record or drama of redemption foretold throughout history that a virgin would give birth to a son, that his name would be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, that he would be born in Bethlehem because he was of the line and lineage of David, David's hometown. And the movement of history. How is it that Jesus, in the womb of Mary, got to be born in Bethlehem? Which was several days walk. That she, vastly pregnant, riding on the back of a donkey, presumably, arrived in Bethlehem so that that scripture could be fulfilled. The whole drama unfolding, the virgin giving birth to a son in Bethlehem, the incidents of history that Caesar Augustus called 
for a census throughout the whole of the Roman Empire. And Israel, under the boot of the Roman power and authority, had to go to their own hometowns to register. That's how the census was taken. And Joseph, being of the line of David, had to go back to Bethlehem. Has it ever crossed your mind that through the Caesar of the great empire of Rome, a census was called for to get that family from Nazareth to Bethlehem so that scripture could be fulfilled? For that great appearance of God himself in the flesh in Bethlehem. And the humility of being born in a stable, laid in a feeding crib as his little bed. Noel, the first Noel the angels did say was to shirt certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay. The declaration of it, just as Pastor Jared spoke to it last week, to smelly, dirty shepherds in a field at night. Not an announcement in the courts of a king, to ordinary folk just like us. And an angel appeared. Just as the angel had appeared to Mary and told her that she was going to have a child. One of the last great prophecies. And she said, how can that be since I'm a virgin? Good question. The answer she got was that the Spirit of the Lord was going to come upon her and the child she was to bear would be called the Son of God. And she was to name him. She got the word ahead of even conception that she was going to have a boy. And you will name him Jesus, meaning Savior. Told that up front by an angel. Everything I've described to you thus far is supernatural. From the way the scripture has unfolded out of deep history, prophecies concerning who this Jesus would be, how he would die, what he came to achieve, and the angel coming and declaring it ahead of time to Mary herself, actually came because she was pregnant, engaged to Joseph, the angel in a dream came to Joseph. Because Matthew's gospel makes it clear that Joseph was tempted to divorce, end the engagement, and have nothing more to do with Mary because she was beginning to show. And he knew it wasn't his child. And the Lord came and visited via the angel in a dream to Joseph. This is all supernatural. There are ways in which we over the years have tried in some way to humanize the whole event. It is above natural. 
It is supernatural. It is not a product of nature. It is God himself giving birth to a child in the womb of Mary, the Spirit of God brooding over Mary. And the miracle of that child, Jesus, God in the flesh, incarnate in the flesh, coming to dwell amongst us. The whole thing is supernatural. The prophecy and its fulfillment, and even in a way, the census being called for by the Caesar that gets Joseph and Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem, where he was to be born. And that was a moment in time that changed the whole course of things. When the angel came, in the night, in the dark, the, the shepherds were terrified. And then the angel spoke to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Good news. It seems all we're sated with today, saturated with, is bad news. Because bad news makes news. Are you ready for some good news? Good news, America. To you, a Savior has been born. Good news of great joy. What's so joyful about Jesus coming? He's coming to be a Savior. To save us from our sins. Let me ask you this. How would you like to leave church this morning knowing that the whole miserable series of whatever it is you know to be failure in your life, the conscience that bugs you, the memory of things said or done that shame you, the hurts that you've caused others, the pain that others have felt because of what you have done wrong. And how about the pain you have felt because of whatever's been done wrong to you? To have it all transformed. To be able to walk out of here with a sense of peace, fulfillment, joy, Here's the good news. Because when he said, I've come to bring you good news of great joy, what was it? To you has been born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus himself, grown man, early in his ministry said this, I have come that you might have life and have it in all its fullness. Those are the first words that I ever heard that registered to me. I know the place where I, have heard, where I heard them. It was in Oxford. When a man spoke to me, I've actually stood on the sidewalk, the pavement, outside the shop where I heard those words. 
and with my wife. We just stood there and prayed with all the people walking up and down, giving thanks that I heard from a man by the name of Ray Wilson in that shop, that store, that Jesus came that I might have life and have it in all its fullness. From an irreligious background, not going to church, I did know the carols. We sang them as part of our cultural upbringing in England in those days. But I didn't know that Jesus was alive. I didn't know that he had died to pay for my sins. I didn't know that he came that we might have life and have it in all its fullness, which is what I was looking for as a teenager. I didn't know that I could ask Jesus to come into my life and have him give me a whole brand new life. Listen to the words of the angel again to the shepherds. To you is born this day in the city of David a saviour. Isn't that interesting? He didn't say to the world, for the world, for the whole international community, for all times a saviour has been born. He simply said to them, to you has been born a saviour. I would love to walk throughout this congregation this morning. It's not going to happen because we don't have that kind of time. But to point to each one of you and say to you, to you, to you, to you, to you, to you has been born a saviour. In the back row, across that back row, to you, has been born a saviour. To you. It's that personal. And I pray that this morning, right here, right now, for one or two of you, what I've just described as the drama of redemption across the course of history comes down to a moment between you here this morning and that same Jesus. Right here in this sanctuary. A holy moment. Dare I say that the whole of your life has been but a preparation for this moment to bring you to a point where you say please Lord Jesus come into my life take possession of me a moment just like that between you and the Lord himself not just information in your head but to have Jesus in your life. Don't miss it. I dare to say to one or two of you that this is your moment. A moment that God has provided for you. He does come to us one at a time.
and give us that opportunity. You can't count on this moment returning to you if you do not take advantage of it now. Jesus was born out in a stable because there was no room for him in the inn. Is there room in his heart for you? Like one of the carols says, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. There's room in my heart for you. Don't miss this moment if you are the one. And you know that God has been speaking to you in the service he brought you here this morning. You are the one. This is your moment. A moment for which all your life has been but a preparation. That the Jesus who was born into this earth comes to dwell in you. That you might be born anew. Made new in Jesus. To be able to leave that past behind and begin again. This could be for you a very Merry Christmas. A very Merry Christmas. Bow your heads with me and let's speak to Jesus now. See him coming to where you are. To you. To just you. He loves you as much right now as when he came to earth all those years ago. Went through the painful, shameful rejection. Not only born in humility, crucified in humiliation to pay for your sins because he loves you and wants the very best for you the merriest of merry Christmases for you Say to him right now in your own heart these very simple words. Dear Jesus, I need you. Thank you for coming to me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving me this moment this very moment with you. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me the misery that I've created around me. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me through and through. Banish the darkness. Come and light up my life. 
fill me with yourself. Thank you for such good news that you love me. Fill me with your joy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. I promised my mom I'd wear a suit to church at least once during Christmas, so don't judge me this morning, please. (laughs) Hey, would you pray with me? Because I need it. Lord, we love you. And as we come into this holiday season, we recognize, Lord, that you are with us. And while there's so many things in this world and so many things in our lives that can distract us and can take our hearts and can wrench us and and, and can, can break us, Father God, we're reminded this morning that you are righteous, that you are good, that you did not abandon us in this place. But God, you sent your son to be with here on this earth, to be with us to experience what we experience, to live with us, to laugh with us, to weep with us, to love us. And so this morning as we celebrate what took place when those magi wandered some 900 miles to seek something that had been prophesied, we celebrate the birth of Jesus this morning. We thank you, God, that you are with us, and we thank you for the way that you bless each in every one of us. So all of God's people said, Amen. Well, I had an early Christmas gift in the form of, of losing a loved one this week. You know, you've heard me speak about my uncles and, and how they poured into my life. Well, my uncle Norb, who was like a father to me, he, he died just four days ago. And at this very time yesterday, I was doing the hardest funeral I ever had to do. But what a blessing it was to have it happen at this time of year because at Christmas time, you know, we, we lose loved ones throughout the year. We, we have experiences, heartaches, and brokenness. But what a better time of year to remember those loved ones than at Christmas. You know, I was reminded as I, I was writing the eulogy and I was preparing for this, this funeral that, that even though my uncle has now become victorious over Alzheimer's, And we would weep for him and mourn for him, and it's right for us to do so. But what a gift to have this happen at Christmas, because as heartbroken as I am, I'm reminded that God did not abandon me in my brokenness. And that while my Uncle Norb is celebrating Christmas with Jesus this year, I'm celebrating Christmas with Jesus this year. Because no matter where you're at in life, no matter how much sin, no matter how much brokenness there is in your life, no matter who you've lost or what illness you have, Emmanuel means God with us. And Jesus has come to earth, and on Christmas Day, we celebrate this fact. And because of that this morning, I need to say these words that I praise God that He called my uncle home. God is good, isn't he, church? Say it with me. Don't say it sad. God is good. And all the time. In our brokenness, in our sin, in our sickness, in our health, whatever it may be, let the words come from your lips that God is good because I don't know what you're going through. But God came to this place. He left eternity 
And this morning, as we continue in our series entitled, Do You Hear What I Hear? We're, we're talking about the first Noel. And it was so fitting that this was the, 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 the Christmas carol that I drew because my Uncle Norb, when we'd go to my Grandma Chevalier's house, he used to joke around, and, and I know that a lot of you do this, that when we, he would walk into my Grandma's house, he would take the words Noel and he would rearrange the letters so that they said Leon. Right? So many of you guys do that. But we have this blessed Christmas carol that, that I, I, you know, when you sing the song, there's a lot to it that you, you can say, why in the world do we say things the way we say things? Or what the heck does Noel even mean? I, I know what Leon is. He's a guy I went to high school with. But what is Noel? Well, simply put, the word Noel first comes from a French word, Noel. This is amazing to me. That literally means nativity. Did you know that? That the word Noel is a French word for the, for the word uh, nativity. It's also an old English word for the word birth. And over the years, these words have become so sacred that they are now the words that talk about the specific nativity birth of Jesus Christ. And so when we think of this once French Christmas carol, We sing these incredible words about the first birth, the birth of Jesus, that birth of births. You know, this old carol was a, was a, started out as a French carol and it dates back as early as the 1200s. It's, that's old. As we've discovered, a lot of these Christmas carols, they have deep roots in our history, don't they? Well, this Christmas carol date backs, dates back to the 1200s and it originates in France. But what happened is in the 1800s and a little bit earlier than that, the English got a hold of it and it became an incredible tradition in English villages to sing this song. Now, there was only, there was only a little chorus that went along with it, but an Englishman by the name of William B. Sandys and Davis, Davies Gilbert collaborated to write additional verses. And this quickly was a, a, a carol that was adopted by the English villages. And what they would do is, is the English villagers would all come out and they would bring what's called the Yule Log. Do you know what a Yule Log is? We'll get there in a minute. They would bring the Yule Log out and as, and as a village they would sing out loud the chorus of, of um, the first Noel. And what would happen is someone creative like Brad would live in your village and, and Brad would then begin to make up his own verse to the song and he would sing the song and then everybody in the neighborhood would listen to him and say, that's fantastic. And then they would all come on and sing as a chorus once again. This was a tradition that took place in English villages for a very, very long time. Now let's take a moment. Because there's a lot of things about Christmas. When we hear them, we, we know about the Yule Log, but some of us may have no idea what the Yule Log actually is. Why did they come out singing this song, this first Noel, singing about the birth of Christ, and then light a piece of wood on fire? Well, the reason they did that was because, you see, when they brought the Yule Log out, it represented the light of Christ. It re- represented the warmth of God, the love of God. And so you hear that and you say, okay, but... But why this whole light and darkness thing? You know, a couple of years ago, I shared this story with, with all of you that I had a, uh, a church history professor that decided to share this Christmas story with us. And if you've ever seen the show The Big Bang Theory, they've brought this up and tried to defute Christians. And you've all heard the argument that Christians just stole the holiday of Christmas from pagans. And while I want to say that that's untrue, there's, there's truths in that. 
But it wasn't a matter of stealing it, because you see, in the years of uh, 335 and 336, there was a Roman emperor by the name of Constantine. And Constantine was a convert to Christianity. In fact, Constantine's the Roman emperor that makes Christianity legal in Rome. He's a big deal in your Christian heritage. And within the Roman Empire, in the pagan world, there was a holiday known as Saturnalia. And what Saturnalia was, it was, it was, took place in the month of December as we know it. Um, and, and what happens is, is you have the winter solstice. Now, my daughter said to me the other day, we were driving down the street, she said, Daddy, it's really dark outside. And did you know at this time of year, this is the darkest time of year in our calendar? That there is more darkness than there is light, and the dark just seems darker and darker up until the winter solstice. Do you know what happens at the winter solstice? When the winter solstice takes place, that's when the light begins to conquer the darkness. It's when daylight begins to grow and it overcomes the darkness. And the pagan people celebrated the victory of light over the darkness. And the Roman Emperor Constantine said, we have a right idea here, but we're missing the point. We're celebrating something called Saturnalia, the victory over light over darkness. But the true victory of light over darkness is the fact that Jesus Christ came to earth. And when Jesus came to earth, light ultimately defeats darkness. And so Constantine said, on December 25th, we are going to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ because light came into the world and darkness does not have a victory. This was not a holiday stolen from the pagans. Like everything else in this world, it was a holiday that was enriched by the light of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's why we celebrate Christmas when we do. It's why we light something called the Yule Log. And so the English folks would come out of their village, they would light the Yule Log, they would celebrate the victory of light, they would celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ, the defeater of death, the defeater of darkness. And they would come together in their village and they would sing the words of this beautiful Christmas carol. Now, throughout the years, there's been three variations of this Christmas carol that have come to be. There's a a French version that only has four verses. There's a Cornish version Um, which has six verses. And then there's an English version that also has six verses. And I want to read these verses to you because this carol is an incredible carol that really picks up from where our story left off last week. It starts with that, that, that announcement to the shepherds. And it announces the fact that the Christ is coming and it tells the story of how the shepherds heard this message, but then it moves into the next pageant in this true story. And that's, that's the story of the Magi. All these prophecies that we just heard through our lessons and carols this morning, these prophecies were prophecies that the Magi from all over the place would have heard about. And they inspired these wise men from as many as 900 miles away to come and to search for this king. And when we sing the first Noel, we sing the story of the Magi's. And so I'm going to have Nikki bring the lyrics up here, and I want to read them to you. The first Noel. The angels did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay, in fields where they lay, keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Next one. Noel, Noel, born as the king of Israel. Then it moves on to the second verse, and it says, They looked up and saw a star shining in the east. Beyond them far into the earth it gave great light. 
And so it continued both day and night. And that verse is singing about that moment when the Magi, as prophesied in the book of Micah, would see coming out of Israel a star. The next verse, please. We can skip the chorus if it's in there. And by the light of the star came three wise, the three wise men came from the country far. To seek for a king was their intent, and to follow the star wherever it went. Now, I want to take a moment here, and I want to say this. You know, we tell the story of three wise men, don't we? And I want to challenge you with this. Show me in the Bible where it says three wise men. Nobody in their right mind would travel the distance that they traveled with just three of them. In fact, what's more than likely that took place here is there was at least 12 of these guys that came to worship Christ. The Eastern tradition actually talks about 12 12 kings, 12 rulers. The, The Magi came. They were a group. There were not just three of them. But where do we get the number three from? The gifts. And there's also that we three kings of Orient are. We dozen kings and magi and astronomers from from 900 miles away just doesn't sing as well, right? And so what what you had is you had these magi, and the magi were were they were they were leaders, they were community leaders, they were astronomers, they were people who were interested in the stars, they were nomads, they were they were spiritual leaders. And hearing of the prophecies of this, this king of kings to come to be, when the astronomers looked into the sky and they saw the star, they knew that the prophecies were coming true. And so they sought out to come pay homage to the king of the Jews. And with them, they brought gifts. Three of them, in fact. So it continues on and it says these words. This star drew nigh to the northwest, where Bethlehem it took its rest. And there it did both stop and stay, right over the place where Jesus lay. Continuing on, it says, Then entered in those wise men three, fell reverently upon their knee, and offered there in the presence their gold, their myrrh, and frankincense. Now, again, we get the number three because of these gifts. But the gifts are significant. When they brought these gifts, they were bringing gifts to a king. They were bringing gifts to recognize the authority of Jesus Christ. And you know, when we look at these gifts, there's some pretty neat significances that come with these gifts. When you look at the gold, the gold is a representation of his kingship. You brought gifts of gold to new kings. The frankincense is is an incredible gift that they brought because you see, frankincense was a gum of what's called a boswellia tree. And it was only used, it was the only acceptable form of incense at the altar, in the the holy place. So this incense that they brought was acceptable for deity. And so you have this frankincense that was brought as a gift. Then you have this myrrh that was given as a gift. And the myrrh was representation of the sacrificial death that Jesus would bring. Because myrrh was a product that was used in the clothing of traditional Jewish people. They would, they would put it in their clothing to make them smell good. But because the Jewish people did not practice embalming or, or burial methods that, that, that smelled good, what they would do is they would cover the person in a burial cloth and they would put myrrh on them to hide the scent of death. And so when these three gifts were brought from these magi, these wise men from afar, they were brought as representations of the incredible life that Jesus was going to lead here on this earth. 
You know, it's amazing because the story of the Magi that's found in Matthew 2, it starts with an incredible adventure and they encounter Herod. And, and, and then when they come to Herod, he says to them, he says, hey, when you hear about this Jesus, when you find out where he's at, come back and tell me where he is because I too would like to go worship him. You see, Herod was worried about his throne. Herod was worried about the things of this earth. Herod was not concerned with the goodness of God, but he was concerned with his own stuff. But what was beautiful about the Magi, as we read in Matthew 2, what was beautiful about the Magi is they were first smart enough to recognize that. But they did not come for their own merit. They did not come for their own favor, but they came to pay homage to the king. And as we read into this carol, as it continues to the next verse, it says this, Then let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord that hath made heaven and earth of naught, and with his blood mankind has bought. When the Magi came, they came with a specific purpose. And my prayer is that this morning, the reason you're in this room is the same purpose that the Magi came. They came to worship God. Just as the shepherds in the field had an opportunity to respond to God and to go and to tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born, the Magi came from afar. And when we sing that song, The First Noel, we're proclaiming with a voice that we are here on Christmas to worship God. We are here to sing praises to our King, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of where we're at. We have come to this place this morning because light does defeat the darkness. Christ has conquered death. And for those of you in this room this morning that know exactly what I'm talking about, this is a victorious day. But maybe you're sitting in this place this morning and you have never surrendered your life to the, to the, to the God of light, to the God of goodness to Jesus Christ. And I would say this to you. Without light, there is only darkness. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And this morning, lift your voice with us here in a moment as we sing the song, The First Noel. And as we sing the song, The First Noel, maybe for the first time, you can surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And you can ask Him to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from within, regardless of how bad you think you are. Jesus Christ loves you. He came to this earth to, to sacrifice Himself for you, to bring glory to God. And so as we sing this hymn this morning, we join with these magi from afar, these wise men, these astronomers, and we worship Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. So this morning, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, I would like to tell you that myself and Pastor Jared, following the service, we're available to talk with you about what that looks like and what that means. Maybe this Christmas there's a void in your heart that you can't explain. But we have the answer for that. Emmanuel, God is with us. So in a moment, we're going to worship together as we sing the first Noel. But won't you pray with me now? So God, we love you and we thank you. We praise you for the words of the hymns and the carols and the songs of old. In a song that has been sung since the 1200s, Father God, we thank you that today we can stand up and we can proclaim your goodness. We can proclaim your message. And we thank you for the example in Matthew 2 that we see of the Magi coming from afar to worship you, 
Make no mistake about it. The purpose that they came was to bring glory to God, to worship you. And so, Father, this morning as we all lift our voices singing that hymn of old, we pray, God, that you would be glorified and that you would receive this as a gift from us. Thank you, Father, for the gifts that you give to us. Thank you that you did not abandon us in this place, but you are with us. Thank you for that first birth. Thank you for that, that nativity that you came in those humble circumstances, God. We love you this morning.